So we are starting a new series, and um, the series is called Fully Committed, Fully Committed, and it's taking a look at the early church, and we'll have seven different weeks, seven different sermons, um, but we'll be looking at the holy boldness that God gave the early church, just regular, unschooled, ordinary people that when the Holy Spirit filled them, they were able to do incredible, even impossible things for the kingdom. And so we'll get there. One of the things I, I'd like to tell you is I, after studying about boldness, I was thinking, Lord, I, I need to be more bold. Like, what am I, that selfish? Like, I got salvation, I'm good. Let everybody else go to hell. Well, I'm so polite. I mean, I have friends, 20 years we've been friends, I've been praying for them. But sometimes you got to do more than prayer, you got to actually step forward and say, I once was blind, but now I see, and you name the one who has healed you. And yet, so often I don't do it. I'm not bold. I'm afraid they're going to think I'm a religious freak, or they're going to be smarter than I am and out-argue me, or just want to avoid me. And so I struggle with boldness. Maybe you do too. I think today we're going to learn where that boldness comes and where it doesn't come. Um, Before we jump into our passage in Acts 4 which is fully committed, uh, the the boldness, the holy boldness of Peter and John. First, we need to look back and look at Peter. How bold was Peter? Well, he was always impetuous, impetuous, Google the word. He was impetuous. He was maybe even foolhardy. He would jump forward, but not always bold. Like he told Jesus, Lord, I'm with you. He pulled out his sword and he whacked the ear of Malchus, the slave, as if he was going to take it in his hands to defend the Son of God. And he basically said, Lord, I'm always with you. I'm always with you. And Jesus says, Peter, before the rooster crows three times, just three times, you're going to deny me. Oh, Lord, I'd never do that. I'd never. And so we see as we look back, both in, um, if you're staying with Dr. Luke, he wrote the book of Acts, and Luke, if you look back in Luke 22, you see uh, exactly what Jesus predicted, that Peter did actually deny him three times. Even to a servant girl, he denied him. And so that's in Luke, uh, I think it's Luke 22. It's also in John 18. You can read about it. But the point was that Peter was not bold. He was not powerful. He did not appear to be the one who had this amazing faith on whom the Lord would build his church. Let's take a look at the video and see if this guy might remind you of Peter. Why, you're nothing but a great big coward. You're right. I am a coward. (laughs) I haven't any courage at all. I even scare myself. (laughs) Look at the cycles under my eyes. I haven't slept in weeks. (laughs) Why don't you try counting sheep? That doesn't do any good. I'm afraid of them. (laughs) Oh, that's too bad. Don't you think the wizard could help him, too? I don't see why not. Why don't you come along with us? We're on our way to see the wizard now, to get him a heart. And him a brain. I'm sure he could give you some courage. Well, wouldn't you feel degraded to be seen in the company of a cowardly lion? I would. <laughs> oh, of course not. <laughs> Gee, that's, that's awfully nice of you. My life has been simply unbearable. Oh, well, it's all right now. The wizard will fix everything. So you guys remember that? How many times have you seen that? A hundred times? 
He was so afraid, and they had to go to the wizard in order to get courage, right? And so there's a parallel, if you will. It's, it's a little bit of a stretch, but it's a parallel where Peter, in and of himself, he has no real courage. He has no uh, holy boldness. I mean, it only took this much of a threat, and he's out. The scripture records that when they seized Jesus, Peter followed from afar. He was fearful, and then he did deny Jesus three times. And so part of me goes, hey, the message for today is let's all huddle in. Let's all huddle in. Put our hands in. Do good, be bold. Do good, be bold on three. One, two, three. Yay, team. Now go out and be bold for Jesus. The problem with that is he does want us to be bold. The problem is when you go out and you try to be bold in your own strength. And so the first thing we need to realize is where does this holy boldness of the early church, where does it come from? Where does it not come from? And I think it's so awesome that after Peter and John heal this man, this man who'd been lame his entire life and was thrown like a sack of potatoes at the gate called Beautiful. Do do, do you see the irony? See, I, I don't know that I fully understand it. But I can imagine in that day, if you're handicapped, everybody thought you're handicapped because God is punishing you. That's what they thought. In fact, in some parts of our world, even in America, we hear that. In Africa and Rwanda, I hear it too often, right? They may not come out and say it, but that's what they think. And so we see this man made in the image of God, beautiful to the Father. But by men, he was not esteemed anything but one who was cursed by God, much like Jesus himself. And so what we see Peter saying is when they were like, whoa, Peter, you and John have this amazing power. You healed this guy who was lame from birth. Peter's very clear about where the power for that came from. Uh, He says this in Acts 3, uh, verse 12. It says, and Peter saw it. When Peter saw it, he addressed the people, men of Israel, Why do you wonder at this? Why do you stare at us as though by our own power or by our own piety, religious duty? It's not our power. It's not our piety that's made this lame man walk. No, it's the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers. He has glorified his servant, Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate. You denied the holy and righteous one. And you asked for a murder to be granted to you, and you killed the author of life. And so what we're seeing clearly right here is Peter, who had been cowardly, all of a sudden, when the day of Pentecost came, when the Spirit of God fell on him, he had otherworldly power. He had a power that men and women don't possess. And so they spoke, and many came to Christ. Finally, they were able to hear You know, a lot of people hear the words of the gospel, they hear, but don't hear. But on the day of Pentecost, because the Holy Spirit was involved, it was not just somebody yakking at them. It was God himself speaking words of comfort, words of calling, words of courage. Come and taste and see the Lord is good. And Peter wants to make sure everybody knows it's not by my power, y'all. I can't heal anybody. It's not by my piety. It's not by my piety. It's by the Lord. Jesus is the only reason this man was healed. And then he goes on and he calls him to repentance. And so Peter, who had been a coward, is now bold. He's bold in healing. 
He's bold in healing it. You in the body of Christ, I want to ask, is that prescriptive or descriptive? I do ask that question about four times a year, and everybody goes, prescriptive or descriptive? I like the sound of that. Was that prescriptive or descriptive? But your mind doesn't race quick enough to catch up with a thought. Is it prescriptive or is it descriptive? Descriptive is when we read a story in the Bible and it's just describing what happened. It's simply descriptive. It's telling a story. Prescriptive is more. Prescriptive is not only telling a story, but it's actually prescribing this is the way that we should walk. And so when you see Peter and John, but especially Peter, going from a cowardly lion, one who would deny Christ, to all of a sudden be bold enough to step up at the risk of his own life in front of the same Sanhedrin who put Jesus to death. How all of a sudden did he become so emboldened to heal and to tell those people they needed to repent and call them to believe on the Lord Jesus? Where did that come from? That boldness came from on high. So let's pick up the story in Acts 4. Because as they say in one of those movies, times... Times are wasted. Times are wasted. And so here we are. We pick up in Acts 4. After the healing of this lame man, it says, They were speaking to the people, the priests, the captain, the temple, the Sadducees. Uh, and it says, They were greatly annoyed. Friends, I feel like this is almost like calling in corporate. You know, if you work at a job and you're in a little old Roanoke, Virginia, it's like, Oh, dear God, they'll never find us in the big lick. But every once in a while, somebody from corporate's coming down. So it just give you anxiety just thinking about it, right? Or maybe if you're a teacher, to know that the principal is going to be in your classroom today, right? Or the superintendent. And so that's what we see, like all of a sudden, when Peter and John are doing these miracles, and now they're proclaiming the good news of Jesus, we see interstage right, priest and the captain of the temple guard, I bet he was a tough guy, and the Sadducees. And it says they were greatly annoyed. They were hacked off because... They saw uh, Peter and John teaching people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection. They were like, well, who gave you this authority? Who gave you this authority? I, I get where these Pharisees and Sadducees are from. When I see somebody do a wedding and they never went to seminary and they've never been ordained and they just kind of pretending to be a pastor, I'm like, what? what? I went for seven years. There's a lot of boring stuff I had to plow through. There's a lot of hard things. There's a lot of good things. There's a lot of learning. But now, anybody with a pulse, you got a pulse? Go down the court, go down the court raise your right hand. Maybe you show them your license, and they make you a minister of the gospel so you can marry somebody. Do you know that? And so it's kind of that same thing where I'm like, you're a fraud. You're not really a pastor. These guys are kind of saying the same thing to Peter and John, and they're like, who, what school did y'all go to? Who trained you? Who are you? Who gave you the right to stand up and speak for God? You guys are unschooled, ordinary, common men. And furthermore, they were annoyed not just because of who the speakers were. They were annoyed at what they were saying. They were saying that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, and Sadducees don't believe that. And so there you go. There's, there's kind of the show going on. There's going to be a bit of a standoff. People from corporate coming in. It's the Sadducees, the priests, the temple guards. They're greatly annoyed. Uh, but then it says in verse 4, many people, many that surrounded the healing of this man at the gate called Beautiful. 
Many who saw that, they couldn't deny what they saw. If you saw a man or woman who was handicapped and helpless, handicapped from birth and couldn't do anything, all of a sudden walking and running and leaping and praising God, do you think that might have some effect on you? Do you think that might even engender some boldness, holy boldness in you? And so the people there could not deny that this name above all names, Jesus, had healed this lame man. And so what happens? Instead of celebrating that, oh my gosh, y'all, church people, the religious, did they celebrate a man that was lame coming to getting his legs back? No. All they did is they brought more people from corporate. Right? James and Peter and, and John are just trying to do ministry. They're just letting the Spirit roll, and they're just going to see what the Spirit's doing. But it says then... On the next day, they brought their rulers and their elders and their scribes and the more important religious people. And they're there. They're there not to just simply observe. They're there to find fault and find how they can bust them, the same people that came after Jesus. And then we see this holy boldness that comes from Peter. And it's not because Peter's a good guy. It's not because Peter's a strong guy. We've already seen that he ain't that good and he ain't that strong, right? But now, just as the Father promised, when God the Spirit falls on somebody and in somebody, there is a boldness that goes beyond something you can muscle up. This is from heaven. This is something from heaven. And no one can stand against it. And so Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, he literally was filled with God's Spirit. And he, and he calls them to task. And he, like a great lawyer, he says, rulers of the people and elders. It's like he's talking to the jury. We're being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man. Are you kidding me? Like, what's wrong with that? Like, can't you see him in the courtroom? Yeah, he had him. He had him at hello. He says, if we're being uh, examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what, uh, and by what means this man has been healed, I just want you all to know it wasn't us. It was Jesus Christ, the name above all names. Jesus healed him. We can't heal anybody. Jesus healed him. So to me, it's mind-blowing that the one that denied Christ three times is now boldly standing up in front of the executioners, and he's saying, you guys, this man, you all see it. It's not a figment of your imagination. Jesus healed this man. And the people were blown away because nobody could do that unless the Lord was with them. And he goes on and says, yeah, you remember Jesus, you remember him. It's this Jesus, the author of life, the one you crucified. You talk about boldness? Friends, you don't, you don't say that to corporate. You don't say that to the principal. You don't say that to religious leaders who are coming there, the ones who had put your Savior to death. You don't say that unless you, in fact, have something more than human boldness. Let me, let me go back for an example. How many guys ever played baseball or softball of any type? I mean, rec league, little league, high school, college, something, something. Do you remember your first at bat? Do you remember? Oh, my goodness. Go back to little league. Go back to high school. How about let's use high school. Go to high school, and you've been playing JV. Everything's pretty good. And you get in there, and you, here's the box. The box is here, and you're about a foot away from it. You know, why, why are you a foot away from it? Because that guy pitches fast, right? 
I'm used to middle school ball about 60 miles an hour, baby. All of a sudden, this guy's throwing darts. He's throwing 85. And I try to get closer so I can hit the ball, right? And you get in there, and you're looking out at the pitcher, and that pitcher's seven feet tall. And in your estimation, that pitcher's throwing the ball 150 miles an hour, and you're not even going to start to swing until it's in the catcher's mitt. But don't worry. Your mom or your dad are in the background. Come on, Johnny, step up and kill the ball. Well, that sounds great if you're behind the fence. I mean, I was the most obnoxious parent. I'm so thankful to Jesus. We don't have videos, y'all. I, there's nothing you're ever going to do with your kids that would be more embarrassing than the way I yelled at my kids when they were batting. What, Dad? What? What do you want us to do? Face this big pitcher and he's throwing gas. And you're yelling at me and I can't concentrate. But the thing is, if you've been in that moment, you remember that moment? Do you remember? And they're, throwing, they're just throwing fast. And you're scared. You're scared they're going to hit you. And your parents are yelling, get in, get in, get in. And you really want to get in. But you just can't seem to create it. There is something that happens in baseball and softball that eventually, with enough training, enough experience, enough muscle memory, if you will, that as a hitter you go, hey, I can take you. In fact, I'm going to jam this ball down your throat. Like until you get that mindset, you're never going to hit the ball. Oh, you might swing your bat and accidentally doink one off. But I'm talking about really hit. You'll never do it until you have that inner boldness. So that's a great story. That's a great example. And from that, we could go, hey, what the Lord's calling us to is to be bold. So let's all huddle in. Let's all agree. Jesus wants all his followers to be bold. Are we good with that? Do good, be good, be bold. On the count of three. Bold. Go be bold. See you next week. But friends, I want to remind you of the words of of, um, Peter and John, what we first read. Uh, When he says, men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Why do you stare at us men as though by our own power or piety we have made this handicapped man walk? In other words, what Peter understood and what John understood, it's not about human strength. It's not about toughening yourself up. It's not about summoning up a lot of courage so you can boldly proclaim the Word of God. No, it's about being a broken vessel. God can speak through Balaam's ass if he wants. God can speak through anyone he wants. And what Peter and John are exhibiting for us and showing us is that holy boldness, the boldness the early church had, even to death, they were made, did you know, I think it was Nero used to dip Christians in wax and burn them like candles along the road. Was it, was it Nero or one of the others uh, that took Christians and then to the amphitheater and they would feed them to the lions? And so where does this boldness come from? The boldness that you want and I want. The boldness that we don't possess. The boldness doesn't come from trying harder. The boldness comes from knowing Christ, really knowing him. And if you know him, uh, he will work through you. He will work through you. He doesn't need a great orator. He doesn't need somebody to muscle up and be tough. He just needs somebody that's available. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And so as I send you out, or as the Lord sends you out to do the work he's given you to do, I want to remind you of what Peter and John knew. It's not your strength. It's not in your ability. You can't 
uh, win anybody to Christ or heal anybody unless the Lord works through you, but he's ready to work through you. Many of your friends don't know the Lord, and you've spent 20 years praying for those friends to know the Lord. But have you ever done what Psalm 107 says? Just tell your story. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And God will take your humble words and use those to his glory. Amen and amen.